1: Hello and welcome back to another Housing Matters podcast. Your favorite data nerds are back with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. And this time we have a couple different things that we want to do. We want to run through the January 2020 housing market update because we have some relatively good news in terms of what the market's doing And then we want to shift gears to a couple of macro issues. First and foremost, we want to do a bit of an update on the coronavirus, which we talked about briefly on the last Housing Matters podcast. Um, And then we'll we'll kind of wrap up from there with just some bigger picture macro trends. But before we get too deep, let me introduce myself. My name is Jordan Levine. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist here at the California Association of Realtors. And I'm joined by the phenomenal Oscar Way, who's our Senior Economist and Director director of research.
0: Hi, everyone. Nice to be here and nice to be uh, having a uh, conversation with you guys on the housing market as well as the economy.
1: So, yeah, so let's jump right into the housing market stuff because I think January had a continuation of this upbeat trend, right? Yeah,
0: we had a strong start um, since the... um, the beginning of the year. Now, it's a, a, a momentum carrying forward from uh, 2019. Just uh, runs through some quick numbers. Uh, the, at the beginning of the year, usually it's very slow, but at the, on a year-over-year basis, we actually show a uh, 10.3% year-over-year growth compared to last year for January 2020, which nice. is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, we like to hear double-digit increases.
0: Yeah that's great i mean and it's for it's a first double digit increase in more than 3 years that's pretty amazing now um i do want to um you know put a caveat on on that double digit increase though now yeah. if you remember uh, 12 months ago uh, at the beginning of 2019 we did have a very slow uh, 2019 to begin with because right. of interest rates because of concerns about what's going on with the economy and remember we had a, a federal government shutdown as well
1: Right. So, yeah, that's a, a great point because, yes, we love to see these double-digit increases. And frankly, any any month when transactions continue to move up, and I think this was the seventh month in a row of growth, those are, are positive signs, but we're still below that critical 400,000 uh, benchmark level. So part of this 10% jump is not that that January was so great, but just that that last January was actually pretty lackluster.
0: Yeah, it was actually the... The um, lowest point in the last 10 years. So, of course, you know, any any kind of double digit growth, any kind of growth is an encouragement, but just want to keep uh, people in mind that, you know, it was comparing to the lowest point uh, for a while.
1: Right. And so, in terms of how that shook out across price segments, the good news is that the growth was pretty broad based, right? Almost every category except those under 300,000 were growing, and we saw some with, with actually, uh, you know, 20, 25% growth.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, remember a few months ago, maybe uh, somewhere in July or, or August, we were complaining about high-end homes not doing as well. It looks like you know we're doing a little bit better. We're seeing a little bit more growth uh, at the high end. Um, the the only um, a little softness in January was in the Bay Area right yeah
1: so on a regional basis southern california really led the pack with some pretty healthy increases but those those higher end markets particularly even within the bay area right we actually saw some growth in the bay area in some of the the i hesitate to use the term more affordable markets up <laughs> there cuz they're still pretty expensive in absolute terms but um, it was really the the kind of 1 million plus type markets san francisco alameda uh, santa clara that were that were struggling there
0: yeah, I was struggling a little bit. I mean, it got a little bit more complicated when we get into the actual numbers. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the Alameda, uh, Marin and San Francisco, they show very, they show some softness at the beginning of this year. But, you know, when you compare it to the beginning of last year, because the like beginning of last year, for some reason, those areas were, those areas were actually doing okay. So, you know, it's it's right. a relative thing. But for this month, for the month of January, uh, Bay Area is uh, when you combine all the nine counties, it's showing a little bit of a softness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is is partly unsurprising just given that some of the biggest declines in inventory are actually happening in the Bay Area right now. So for me, this isn't really a symptom of a lack of buyer demand or anything like that. We know that unemployment is still very low up there and and the demand for housing is still pretty strong. I think this is more a case where we're not getting the close sales because there's there's starting to be that that age old inventory issue that we've been seeing for the last seven, eight years.
0: Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, when you look at, you know, the pending sales, if you look at just pending sales numbers, it looks like it's pointing to a positive direction. In fact, you know, pending sales that we recorded in January January show a near fifteen percent increase, right. which suggests that we are probably going to have some decent month ahead.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the other thing that backs up the idea that buyer demand is still strong, and I don't want to spoil the the second half of this, but, you know, rates are low, but more than anything else, you still see it in terms of pricing, right? Because prices were also up by a pretty significant amount uh, in, in January, and, and that continues this kind of strong uptrend that we saw towards the end of last year
0: yeah i as price you know i i remember at the beginning of last year you know or 10 or, or 11 months ago we were saying okay well prices are growing very very slow at at 1 or 2% we haven't seen that you know for the last 3 or 4 months and in the beginning of the year we saw an increase of 7.1% that's following up a 10.2% in december right. 2019
1: so prices are are up, and and you wouldn't be seeing that if if there wasn't buyer demand. So for me, I think that we're we're reversing the clock back to like 2016 mode, where inventory was very tight, buyer demand was strong, and rates were low, uh, but there just wasn't enough homes out there to to go around. And I think you see that in the in the competitiveness stats, right? Because time on market is still very low, not much discounting to to speak of out there, and and even in the uh, in the bay area where you know sales were were pretty weak we still saw uh you know pretty pretty good growth across the board outside of that
0: yeah, I mean, when we look at you know the, the competitive market competitiveness uh, factors, that the indi- indicator that we usually look at, like the sales uh, price to list price ratio, when we look at uh, things like time of market, as you mentioned, and multiple offers, they're showing some very competitive um, data. Um, but you know, it's all boils down to tight inventory. We already know the housing supply as far as active listings are concerned. We have been seeing drop in active listings for quite a few months now. Right. I mean, six or seven months ago or nine months ago, we're still seeing a little bit of a positive growth, but uh, that hasn't. we haven't seen that for the last seven months. In fact, for the last two or three months, we have been dropping by what, over 20%.
1: Right, yeah, we dropped by almost thirty percent here in January, and it just goes to show you know it's amazing what low rates will do for buyers who want to gobble up the the available supply out there because I think you know in December we were at like the lowest level in seven eight years almost and and just in terms of the percentage declines, we're seeing big you know double digit as you said, and so you know unsold inventories back to this kind of new normal of the low you know three Months of of supply range, and I think mm-hmm. that that's going to be the tail of the tape this year. You know, regardless of the economic uncertainty out there, the the broad macro trends are generally pretty positive, and low rates are are motivating buyers to get back into the market. and And there's just unfortunately, uh, you know, not enough housing to to go around, and so I think that means more upward pressure on prices, but also why you know even though things are are going pretty good, we're not super bullish on transactions not because people don't want to buy but just because they're not going to have uh the opportunity with so few listings out there
0: uh, yeah absolutely i mean the begin- it's only the beginning of the year and um we're seeing a little bit of a uh, uh, constraint and supply uh, especially in the affordable uh market market so um you know the 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 um the factors that helps you know boost sales and price, and as you mentioned, it has a lot to do with um, you know affordability uh, from the consumer's perspective right. in terms of mortgage rates, it's affordable. And yeah. you know when we look at mortgage rates, it looks like you know we're at a very, very low uh, rates low level right now. Yeah,
1: and I might actually end up eating some crow here because, you know, I wasn't <laughs> expecting rates to move uh, much lower. But, you know, the the thing that that you can't predict are these kind of unforeseen global economic shocks. But I mean, when you just look at the level of rates, I think this week or last week we dropped to like the lowest level. Pretty much on record, on par with what we saw back in 2012, almost eight years ago, Um, and so the you know the the impact of that on affordability, as you mentioned, can't be overstated because there's a, a a huge crisis in terms of this supply really eroding affordability. When we don't have enough supply in a good economy, it means that prices go up much faster than incomes, and so uh, when you have these big movements in rates and and they're basically near all-time low levels, it makes a big difference in people's pocketbooks, and and that means potentially more buyers will be able to actually get into to the market because of the easing that you'll see on the mortgage payments, or alternatively, the purchasing power that they'll get by being able to offer a little bit more on those properties without affecting that monthly mortgage payment. And so, um, you know, again, I think that that this is really going to be the tail of the tape when we have uh, strong demand and not enough supply, and that means, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, or fortunately. Depending on whether you're sitting on a big portfolio of property or not, but higher prices and and potentially um, you know a minimal amount of improvement in affordability even at these lower rates.
0: Right, and and here's the thing, you know the uh, you know we mentioned about the low rates, and it looks like you know the scary thing, or you know whether you call it scary thing or you know uh, fortunate thing, uh, depending on what perspective you're looking at it looks like you know rates actually have not may not have bottomed out yet you know it looks like you said uh, this is 2012 uh, this is the lowest rate that we have seen since uh, somewhere around 2012 right. uh, it- Thirty-year fixed rate uh, average is right around 3.34 3, or something like that, and it could be actually going even lower, depending on how the economy is going. So just right. kind of help us segue into our next discussion.
1: This is one of the things I think that's keeping rates low is is in general uh, economic uncertainty, but more specifically right. what's going to happen with this coronavirus and and how that's going to impact the global economy, right? Because that's continued to be uh, pretty pretty major concern out there at least in in the media and uh and you have some numbers for us just in terms of the kind of size and scope of this thing
0: right yeah just some background information um so far, you know the, the the coronavirus. Of course, it affects uh, a lot of, in a lot of different ways. Uh, whether it be in the healthcare and the uh, medical uh, perspective, uh, whether it be you know at a global level uh, from the economic perspective, uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, negative impact on it. But just to give you some numbers um, as far as um, the um, number of deaths is concerned. Uh, so far, we have had more than 2,700 deaths um, at a global level, and about 80,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus already. Wow, and that's a lot. I know, that's a lot. Like last time when we had the uh, podcast, it was what, four weeks, five weeks ago? It was just, you know, uh, about, it was the uh, the onset of the outbreak and it, the number was the numbers were much much lower. It's spreading a little too fast, and it's not only in um, in, in China. It's actually spread to other uh, continents, uh, right. including countries in the Middle East and Europe, and of course in the U.S. as well. So because it's spreading a, a little faster than than what we saw in the past for some of the similar uh, illness, uh, there. it kind of you know, create a lot of concerns and panics and right. um, the uh, in the US the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention CDC said yep. it actually uh, expect the coronavirus to spread in the US even even though right now I think we only had about 14, 15 um, cases and it created a lot of um, concerns and panics in the financial markets.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing these low rates, you know, is this flight to safety and, and U.S. government bonds still look attractive, not just to uh, the domestic economy, right, as a shelter from risk, but also especially, I think, from the rest of the world. And and you see that here at home, too, right, because if you look at the financial markets and we're recording this in kind of late February, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen some pretty significant declines in the Dow, which are down, you know, like a thousand points uh, just in, in a single day uh and then you know almost a thousand points again and so you know it's it's one of those things that i think is is affecting people first in their in their kind of psyche and the psychology out there right and just in their uh, optimism or lack thereof that's pushing them into into safety even before we've really seen these kind of big ripple effects on the actual hard side of the economy
0: and and we mentioned last month or when we recorded the last podcast that yeah we have been seeing you know the financial market the stock market actually increasing um, uh, quite robustly but we also cautioned that you know it may not continue and it could be because of any kind of shocks and this turned out to be one of the shocks that actually wiped out pretty much wiped out you know all the gain that we have seen uh, that we have had since the beginning of the year right. so um, you know. It, Makes sense that the uh, interest rates actually stay at a very very low level as a lot of people um, move to the bond market. So that's why yeah. I said you know, in, even though you know we have gone already gone down to 3.3 um, percent for the 30-year fixed rate, it may actually even go lower. Now, right. now, of course that's just the stock market, a financial market um, volatility. Um, what do you think the um, actual economic impact it's going to be. Is it, I mean, is this real or is it just, you know, people are concerned uh, because of the media or because of uncertainty?
1: Right, so I think that you know we have to keep things in perspective you know the the i m f just did some analysis and talked about how you know the economy could be negatively impacted, and we've seen other forecasters here at home uh revising their forecasts, but they haven't been big jumps, you know we're talking about ten to fifteen basis points uh which mm-hmm. means you know forecasts of like Two percent instead of two point one, or one point seven percent instead of one point eight, and so uh, you know there are potential impacts that that we can face, but it looks like in terms of orders of magnitude, that that at least for now it looks like those impacts are are going to be pretty. Pretty small. I mean, when you think about how this could potentially impact, I think the the manufacturing sector is an obvious one, right? Because we get a lot of the inputs to our production process, be they raw materials or component parts, uh, from overseas, and those supply chains are are definitely right. going to be. Disrupted, I think, you know, on the housing side, we obviously need a lot of those raw materials to do this construction. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. better or worse, California is not doing a lot of construction, I would argue, <laughs> I for worse. Um, so, you know, it's not clear to me that that's really going to be the thing that holds back construction in California. We're already uh, doing a pretty poor job of of keeping pace. But I think for me, those are the two kind of avenues, how how a virus like this could impact our own domestic economy. It's through those Supply chains into the United States, be they for manufacturing or housing production. There's obviously, I think, uh, an immigration impact as well, right, where folks maybe won't be able to leave or, or decide to wait and see what happens. Um, but I think for me, the the bigger things are, are how it's going to impact those supply chains.
0: That's true. The supply chain definitely will be affected. And, you know, I we I, mentioned about, you know, the financial market earlier. Now, uh, when we have the financial market uh, impact on uh, – when we have impact on the financial market, sometime, of course, it will affect the uh, uh, wealth effect, so-called wealth effect. Um, the wealth effect is somewhat related to our consumer confidence. Sure. Um, I want to, you know, kind of bring it to the attention that, you know, uh, last time when we have uh, a similar um, situation, you know, two thousand and three when we have SARS um, right. that started in, in, in China, the uh, sim- uh, it's a similar situation. It was an outbreak of a it's also a coronavirus, but it's a different strand. I did but, not know. Uh, last time. Last time it affected the consumer confidence, uh, but then it did not affect the financial market. This right. time the financial market take a hit, so now you know it may bounce back if it bounced back then you know it may not affect the wealth effect that much um and may may be a short run so i mean right. a short a short downturn so there's a there are a lot of uncertainties there, and I agree with you you know as far as the um actual um The decline and economic growth. I don't think you know in the U.S. As at least as of now, I don't think we're going to see much of an impact. It's going to be a little bit. um, And consumer confidence, even though it was just released this morning, I believe the consumer confidence figure was actually about the same as last month,
1: uh, which is at a high level. So people aren't in full-blown panic. Those were uh, readings taken a little bit before it kind of got a lot worse, but. Uh, we'll still have to to kind of wait and see, but I'm with you. I think that the impacts will uh, probably be felt, but I think that they'll be within a, a pretty narrow band of maybe like 20 to 50 basis points. And so, you know, it's not going to be the thing that sends the economy into a a tailspin unless things get get much worse, but we'll probably feel the impact here
0: yeah now there are other effects as well of course we already talked about uh, interest rates now right. if you know the the impact of the coronavirus actually materialize and affect you know at the global level as well as you know some of the domestic level it might actually affect the decisions uh, have a, have a, have, a, have, a, have some influence influence on you know the federal reserve right. in um, deciding on whether they are going to change interest rates what do you think yeah. about that
1: yeah definitely. I think that uh, it's it's definitely more likely today than it was two, three months ago that the Fed might lower rates this year. I don't think it'll happen till the summer. you know, again, we haven't seen a lot of negative economic impacts on the hard Hmm. side of the economy outside of the financial markets yet but i do think it's on their radar and there's a potential that as we get to the june meeting depending on things uh, shake out over the next three months or so that uh, that we could even see them them lower and so you know this is something that i'll definitely admit I was not predicting. I I don't feel too (laughs) guilty that I didn't see a global pandemic.
0: I don't think anyone (laughs) predicted it. So
1: breaking out. But at the same time, um, I do think that it is more likely that we might see the Fed's lower rates. I mean, when you look at the longer term bond rates, it looks like the markets are spooked. And so, um, you know, there is that that flight to safety happening. And I agree that it's probably not uh, bottomed out. So I think, you know, we might see the Fed ease, but regardless of, of whether they change rates in June or not, I think that 10- and 30-year rates, which is what we essentially care about, will will remain low if they don't drop even lower than they are right now.
0: Right. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, the market ha- might have already, you know, built in a little bit of anticipation of um, the Fed possibly lowering rates right. uh, in the uh, in the future. And you said you know they're not going to change anything until maybe June, partly because they have to wait and see uh, some numbers being released first. I mean, for our first quarter GDP of this year, it probably won't be available until April or. May and so they're going to have to wait for some of those numbers to come out before making any uh, uh, decisions on uh, right. rates because it's not you know it, it, before then and before uh, a few weeks ago even now you know just looking at those numbers that we have for the fourth quarter uh, we we have a pretty decent economy.
1: Right. Yeah, and the consumers continue to spend, so we'll be, be watching those retail sales, too, to try and get a gauge of, of what's going to happen. But how about closer to home in terms of the market, right? Because I mentioned that this could potentially impact uh, foreign home buyers, of which California has a, a fairly decent contingent of, typically. Uh, but there's, you know, in terms of the net effect, it might discourage foreign buyers, but because of the impact on rates, it might actually kind of balance out with the with the demand from the domestic side,
0: yeah, I think it's twofold. And as you were, yeah, you mentioned it earlier, For a couple of things. You know, and I think specifically in the uh, let's say San Gabriel Valley um, in Southern California, and also in the Bay Area, which is a lot of um, Asian uh, buyers. Right. Uh, many of those Asian buyers, Chinese buyers, uh, because of what's happening at home in, um, in 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 China and in Hong Kong and Taiwan, they may actually. Um, May not be uh, coming to the U.S. to buy a home right now, partly because of the economic uh, slowdown in their country, but also all these other uh, different reasons that the coronavirus might have uh, uh, contributed. their concern about, you know, their health. There are a lot of other things that they're concerned about. Yeah, personal reasons, home, but,
1: right? Not the best right. time to be out shopping for international properties necessarily when there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening at home.
0: Right. So you know, the the the. Uh, Uh, Foreign buyers buying in uh, California and U.S. right now may actually slow down at least, you know, for the last couple of weeks or so. But the other part of it is, you know, with interest rates at a very, very low level at 3.3, 3.5, whatever the number is, uh, it's at a very, very low level that benefit a lot of domestic buyers. Since many of the domestic buyers, first time buyers, for example, um, they rely on funding their um, purchase with financing, Right. So low rates definitely give them a uh, an upper hand. So I can see and I can tell you that, you know, at least f- maybe for the first quarter or so, maybe even for the second quarter, we probably will see a bigger share of domestic buyer um, than, you know, compared to last year.
1: Right. Uh, so So in terms of the net effect, it probably won't be that noticeable when you roll it up to the kind of statewide number of transactions. There might be a little bit less. Uh, transactions owing to the foreign side of the ledger but that hopefully will be offset by more demand from the domestic side as our our kind of first-time buyers and repeat buyers frankly go to take advantage of of these low rates and so i'm i'm kind of with you i i think that that's you know no real cause for making major revisions to the transaction forecast if anything I think we might take a look at ratcheting up the transaction number, just given how low rates are. But of course, I don't think we're going to end up jacking it up too high because again, we have this deep uh, supply constraint kind of rebuilding itself and rearing its ugly head again. So, right. and of course, when you think about those supply chains that I mentioned earlier, in terms of new construction, I one thing I am confident in forecasting is that you know whether it's a supply chain disruption um, or not. We can't count on new construction coming to the rescue in in 2020. In, at least, <laughs>
0: not California. And and you know just a side note um, as to what you mentioned earlier about those uh, raw material for uh, new homes and for you know the uh, new home supply, uh-huh. it is possible also that you know the new home construction that we may see in 2020 because of the supply shortage of raw material from um, China from some of the other countries in uh, Asia, uh, we might see the cost of those increase which. Probably could have could boost up the uh, the home price for new homes as well, you know, for new constructed homes right. as well in 2020. Yeah. So
1: Absolutely. that's something that we
0: have to take a look at, um, you know, down the road.
1: Right. So from my perspective, nothing really to panic about, but definitely something to to keep an eye on. We're still holding steady. On our forecast and I think you know as much as the uncertainty might hold back transactions the lower rates are gonna push them back up and so um, you know no major impacts yet one way or the other but we will definitely be keeping our eye on this and keeping you updated as new information comes in and as new data comes in so uh, I think we've we've done a good job of telling mm-hmm. you where the markets at and some of the the items that we want to keep an eye on for where the markets going in the next kind of six to nine months so uh did we miss anything oscar
0: i think we covered much uh pretty much everything um we just have to uh monitor the situation and then report back Okay,
1: good. Well, then we'll go ahead and leave this one there. Thank you so much for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. We will be back in another couple of weeks with everything you need to know about the housing market and the economy. So until then, we'll see you next time. Have a good
0: one.